Love is a great mystery. Everyone wants to be loved, right? Yeah. I don't think I've met one single person in my lifetime who didn't want love. Um, and we know that from the scriptures, 1 John, that God is love. Once you have the Lord, you have love. There are many different aspects of love. Um, you have the love between a man and a woman. You have the love between a parent and a child. You have a love between brothers and sisters. Then you have, you have God's love. You have also friendship love. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. And um, he talks about affection. He talks about friendship. He talks, talks about sexual love. And as well as agape, God's unconditional love. So if you ask anyone to define love for you, you'll probably get a lot of different answers. So I would say love is a feeling. It's a warm, fuzzy, you know, I'm in love. Um, love is, some would say love is a decision. Some say love is God. I want to correct that, that love is not God, but God is love. Yes, that's right. Um, love is, some would say love is an undeniable attraction. But we see from Scripture that God defines what love is. And so we need to allow the Scriptures to shape the way that we look at love. You know, sometimes we look at these um, pictures and movies on television, um, and we allow that to shape the way that we view love. And even when it comes to our relationship with God, we allow emotions to get in the way. You know, some people are saying, I, I love God. Why do you love God? Because I have, it's just a feeling. It, it, how many know that it's more than a feeling? Because feelings, they come and they go. You know, um, God did so, you know, we see the scripture from John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, God so loved the world. He didn't just say, I love you, love you. He didn't just scream out from heaven. And he could have did that and it would have been all right because he's God. But he gave his only son. So we see love both in the now form as well as in the verb. God so loved and he gave. As an expression or as a manifestation of the love of God, God gave his son. And so if you really want to know true love or the God kind of love, then you need to look to the scriptures and allow that to shape the way that you view love. Sometimes what people call love is really infatuation or lust. Or it's conditional, I love you if you love me. You know, I love you if you love me forever. You know, um, sometimes people are committed to the emotion of love. Now, love affects your emotions, but it's not your emotions. Thank God. Because sometimes God, from scriptures, we see even in the Old Testament how God had angry emotions towards his people. So if he goes and makes decisions based on his emotions, then we might be in trouble. Um, so let's look, take a look at this, 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about, in verse 4, love is patient. All right? I, I think that, that that speaks to us. Some of us are not patient with each other. We, 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 always, we are always in a hurry. You think about even us being on the East Coast, everything is now, now, now. You have drive through Sometimes people don't want to eat at home because they don't have patience. 
Um, sometimes people don't want to wait for marriage, so they have sex outside of marriage. Um, love is patient. So if a man or a woman loves you, they will wait for you. That's right. Amen. They're not going to be in a rush to get you to the bedroom. They are committed to God, and they're also committed to your sanctification, your holiness. Uh, also, it says love is kind. We, I know a lot of mean Christians. Um, so what's missing? Love is kind. I mean, a perfect opportunity to be kind is when someone is unkind. Why do we not manifest this kindness that God has manifested towards us? And it goes on and says, love does not envy. Love does not boast. We have a lot of people boasting today. And the scripture says that we should not boast in anything but in the Lord. So let's boast of his goodness and his love. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Some Christians are really rude, especially when they go out to eat. If a server is serving you and they're not nice, it's not an opportunity for you to give back to what they're giving you, but it's for you to show the love of God. Give a tip even if they're rude. Hello. And we'll, we'll, allow, we'll allow the scripture to show you that in a minute. Love does not assist on its own way. I, I think we, we got Christianity twisted. Because we insist on our own way. It has to be our way or the highway. You know, we even when we look at praise or what we call praise and worship, if, if it's not a song that we like, then we're not going to participate. But I'm going to tell you, in heaven, there's all kinds of music. I mean, you may have some classical worship. You may have some country worship. Some quartet worship. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. It's not going to be based on your preference, yeah. but based on the worship of God. Yeah. Um, love is not irritable. I know that sometimes we can get irritable with just ourselves and, and life. Love is not resentful. So if you're dealing with unforgiveness today, then this speaks to you about not being resentful. Well, they hurt me. Welcome to the world. <laughs> We hurt God. As the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was a man acquainted with grief. I think that we need to not hold anything. The Bible says in Mark chapter 11 verse 25 that we should forgive. And if we don't forgive, God will not forgive us. I mean, that's scripture. So if we're, not, if we're holding something, then God is not going to forgive us. You think about if you hold something, you're not in a place to receive. And when you're holding unforgiveness, you're not in a place to receive forgiveness. That's true. But when you forgive, forgive, you're opening yourself up to, re to receive forgiveness. Um, love does not rejoice in wrong at wrongdoing. I think sometimes we rejoice when the wicked falls. I'll get them, Lord. Get them. Yeah. <laughs> But, but the scripture tells us love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. We should weep and we should pray for those who fall, lest we fall also. Uh, lo love rejoices with truth, with the truth. Love bears all things. Do we bear all things? Do we carry the burdens of our brothers and our sisters? Um, love believes all things. King James says love believes the best. Amplify says love believes the best. Do we believe the best of somebody? Mm. 
You know, sometimes we're quick to judge somebody else based on what we see, and, and, and you have to check your motives because really we don't know what's going on in a person's heart. I've been guilty of that a million times. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And love never fails. And love never ends. What a wonderful portrayal of what love is and what it does and does not do. This is God's love. Uh, God's love is on a higher level than human love. God's love is the kind of love that cannot be compared to your boyfriend and girlfriend, husband or wife, or your children or your friends. God's love is not an ordinary love. I heard a song years ago when I was just a teenager, and it was called Ordinary Just Won't Do. Ordinary love just won't do. We're talking about a love that is supernatural, a love that looks beyond your faults, a love that will love the hell out of you. A love that will rebuke you. A love that will call you on the carpet. A love, see, we think of love as, as, as being not just nice. But love will actually call you and tell you that you're wrong. Love will say, I'm not going to feed you because you're not working. You know, the Bible says that if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't, he shouldn't eat. So God loves that man so much that he will motivate that person who's not working with hunger to make them work so they can feed themselves. It's not the, it's, it's, you think about it, um, a man that doesn't work is a sorry man. And we do that man an injustice when we feed them day after day after day. And the Bible says don't feed them because they need to starve. They need to feel the hunger pains in order to work. That's the love of God. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about a, a man who was sleeping with his father's wife. And the Bible talks about loving that man in such a way, it was called excommunication, church discipline. And we don't like to look at that as love because sometimes we have a fantasy about Christian love. We think Christian love is always nice. But how many know we, we serve a God that will call you on a car and bring judgment on you? You think about Ananias and Sapphira. God loved them so much that he caused them to die. I, I wonder what would our services be like if, if, if judgment began at the house of God. I think things would be a little bit different than it is today. And so God's love is, cannot be the same as human love. It's more than a feeling. It's more than an attraction. It's the type of love that will not go away. God's unstoppable love. Regardless of what you do and what you say, his love remains the same. You know, your friends may change. I mean, you know, you got some friends that they come and they go. Um, your life may change. You may lose weight or gain weight. You may lose hair or gain hair. Mm. <laughs> Society is constantly changing, but God's love doesn't change. It stays the same. It is, I, I love you when you don't love me. I, see, we think God loves us when we're doing everything right. That, that is not true. We'll see this in a minute. Um, God loves his creation. God loves his people. His love for his people is different than his general love for his creation. 
He loves animals, right? Um, he knows when, when, when a sparrow is falling from the sky. He loves the sparrow. He loves the grass. He loves the um, spider, which we don't like. We, he loves snakes. and we, He loves animals, okay? We see that from Noah, right? I'm um, not the movie, but in the Bible, Noah. Um, and how he commanded them to come in and to save creation. He created these beings and these creatures. But God's love for his people is on a different level. Um, he, he calls his people the beloved, the beloved of God. We are the beloved of God. Or it's be loved. That's another way to say it. Be loved of God. You know, so in order for us to love God back or to love each other, we got to be loved by God. We got to receive that love that God has towards us in Christ. Be loved. Okay, so God's love is unstoppable. His love is like unlike anything you've ever experienced in life. Um, so let's dive into the scriptures to see God's love and the way that he loves us. I just want to say this. Um, you cannot grow in, 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 um, in the love of God without a constant fellowship with God. What do you mean? The more you know God, the more you will express his love for his people. Yes. Um, I have basically four points. Because of this great love of God for his people, we have peace with God. We are standing in his grace. We are to rejoice regardless of our situations. And we are to love. We have love in our hearts. And Christ died in our place. This is the manifestation of the love of God. I don't know, when you think about the love of God, I don't know what comes to your mind. Um, sometimes when you go going about witnessing to people and you say, God loves you. They're like, wow, that's good. I love you. Um, um, God has a plan for your life. Wow, I have a plan for my life. Sometimes the word love, when you minister to the unbeliever, it's over you. And we say, we, you know, God loves a person, it doesn't translate what the scriptures are saying. As a teenager, I remember being a teenager, and I used to go down to Camden and, uh, and some, some areas where it was rough with my youth pastor, and I would tell people, God loves you, and they just sit there, uh-huh, that's good. I love you, too. No, I can, I can get with this religion. And I, I began to study the Bible, and specifically New Testament, the book of Acts. I didn't really see them when they witnessed going around telling people that God loves them. So that kind of changed the way I, I dealt with the unbeliever. Um, Jude talks about some you do save with the love of God, but others you save by mentioning the wrath of God or the fire of God or the judgment of God. Um, I, see, I think we've made uh, witnessing and living for God complicated or, or, or I should say oversimplified the love of God because we was like, oh, God loves you. And, and, and we think that people are going to just say this prayer because we told them God loves them. They need to hear the whole message of, of the Bible and not just a, one aspect of God. A lot of times people will emphasize the love of God so much that they neglect the other attributes of God. That he's a God of, of, of righteousness. He's a jealous God. He's a, yes. he's a God of wrath. He's a God of judgment. Yes. He's your friend and he's your master. Yes. He, he, he's the lover of your soul and yet he's the one that causes 
you, you to rise and cause you to fall. He's the Lord that gives you life, and yes. he's the Lord that takes your life. Yes. So we cannot just emphasize one aspect of God. So when we talk about God's love, we got to understand he loves his glory. This is going to shock some of us. He loves his glory more than he loves us. Yes. The Bible says that he, I, have, I share my glory with no man. And so his love for his glory is greater than his love for you. And out of his love for his glory is his love for you. Um, he created you for his glory. You were not created because mom and dad got together. You were created because for his glory. Um, he saved us for his glory. So we didn't get saved because, oh, I just want to walk up one morning and just get saved. No, I'm going to save you for my glory. Whatever God does is for his glory. Um, Psalm 115 says it like this. Um, it says, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name, your glory. That's, that, that's the mentality we need to look at. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about the glory of God. Jesus endured the cross for his glory. You know, he died. The love of God for his glory caused Jesus to go to the cross. See, God, the, the cross was not about us, but it was about God. Christianity is not about you and I. It's about God. Um, he, he says, I'm going to forgive you for my sake. I'm going to save you for my sake. I'm going to call you out of darkness for my sake. And I'm going to call the people for myself, for my sake. You know, we talk about being holy and sanctified. It means to be set apart for God. So, so God has set us apart for his glory. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. We're talking about God's unstoppable love. We serve a God who is self-exalting. I don't know that you wrote that, but God exalts himself. Um, he, he, he says that the nations will know who he is. Um, he, he speaks and things happen. Um, he calls the nations to sing praises of him. He calls creation. We look at Revelation uh, and we see the elders around the throne of God and they're constantly declaring the holiness of God. So here's a creature, or here's a being, excuse me, here's a being, talking about the Lord, who is sitting on the throne and he has creatures around his throne saying nothing but holy. Yes! That's a self-exalting God. He, is, he says, you know, I'm so holy, I have to create, their job is to say that I'm holy. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And I, I'm going to submit to you that the number one thing that they are seeing they're seeing a different glimpse of his glory every time they go around his throne. Holy. Oh, holy. 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 I mean, I was listening to us this morning, this night, tonight, and people would come up and say, praise the Lord. And everybody's like, praise the Lord. Uh, my, my wife has been all around the world singing for Jesus and singing of his praises. And she says, in Africa, when you say praise the Lord, um, people over there don't say praise the Lord back at you. They go lift up their hands and shout a hallelujah, glory to God. And over here, we say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, I think that we need to, what does the word praise mean? It means to speak well of the Lord, right? So when I say, praise the Lord, you, hallelujah, glory to God, you're good, you're awesome, you're mighty, you boast of him. Now let's try this. 
Praise the Lord, saints. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. God. There is no like you, Praise Lord. Lord Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It, Hallelujah, see, the word God. praise was not meant for a catchphrase, uh, something that we say, a click, a click, a cliche that we use in church. Praise the Lord. No, it means to actually speak well of the Lord, to boast of the Lord. He is good. He is awesome. He's mighty. He's awesome. He's big. He's, he's, he's also sovereign one. So when people say, I want to challenge you, next time somebody says, praise the Lord, you go around, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us not get caught up in being religious and we miss the God of the Bible. Yes. So sometimes people could, quote unquote, seek the Lord so much they miss him. They, they love prayer, not for what who we're praying to, but they love the emotions of prayer or the ideal of prayer. Some people love fasting because it makes them feel like they're special. How many know we should love fasting because it is drawing us closer to God? We should, you know, we should love studying the scriptures, not so that we can quote some scriptures to impress our brothers and our sisters, but so that we can know the God of the Bible. Oh, God is the reward of worship. Yes. So we worship. See, some people praise praise, and some people worship worship. They like the emotions of worship. It's like some people get married for just for sex. They look at it as what I can get out of it. We don't worship God for what we can get out of it. We worship God because that's who we were created to do, what we were created to do. And whoever you, whatever you worship, that's who you'll become like. Um, we don't worship worship. We worship the God who called us out of darkness. The, the goal of prayer is not to get my, 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 my needs met. That's one element, a low level. But the goal of prayer is to draw closer to God. Yeah. Yeah. I am communicating with the God of the creation. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to church because it's a place of, a meeting place with God. Yes. I am meeting with God with his saints. Together. See, church is a little bit of heaven on earth. Because we're going to get together with some saints when we go to heaven. We're going to stand and sing, sing and, and lay prostrate before the Lord in his throne. We're serving a real God. We're not serving a God of our imagination. We're serving a real God. Let's go this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, one of my mentors who's on with the Lord used to say, if you find the word therefore, you need to find out why it's therefore. Oh. Um, based on what he said earlier, he was talking about Abraham and how God had called Abraham. He was God was calling those things as not as though they were. So he had called Abraham, uh, Abraham, Abraham, the father of many nations, when Abraham couldn't have a legitimate child. So God was calling those things that are not as though they were, and then he began to talk about how it is because of Christ, Christ was delivered up for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. Yeah. And he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, yes. we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about this. See, that the greatest peace a person can have is to have peace with God. Uh, some people want to have the peace of God, but they don't want to have the peace with God. Yes. Everybody loves the benefit of 
I have, I'm at peace. They're, they're, they're looking for different ways to obtain this peace with God. But I'm here to tell you, it's like wanting to go to heaven and God not being there. See, a lot of people want to go to heaven, but they want to go to heaven because they don't want to go to hell. But we should want to go to heaven because God is there. Um, so peace with God comes through being saved. Saved from God's wrath. Paul is writing to these believers and he's encouraging them and letting them know that God has declared them to be justified or declared them to be just or righteous in his sight. Um, we shouldn't take this lightly. Um, it says, therefore, we have been justified by faith. In other words, God has declared us to be just. He's declared us to be righteous in his sight. Uh, righteousness is not something that you can grow in. It's something that you are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness is right standing with God. It is the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. In other words, God has said, you know what? You can stand in my presence without me destroying you. God has declared us justified by faith. But not any kind of faith, but faith in Christ. It says, therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. Peace with God. Justification is a gift from God. God has declared all of us righteous in his sight, if you're saved. If you're not saved, you're not righteous. Um, so let's praise God for justification. Thank you, Lord, for making us justified. You justified us. You made us righteous in your sight. We thank you for the gift of righteousness. We thank you for that we have right standing with you. We have the ability to approach you without being destroyed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Because of this justification, we have peace with God. At one time, we were enemies of God. Amen. Don't act like you've always been saved. <laughs> um, there was one point we weren't saved. There was one point we were in darkness. We were blinded by sin. Satan was our master. And we were served the God of this world. We were dead. As Ephesians 2 says, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. At one point, we were not even alive. We were dead people walking. I mean, know that there's still some dead people walking. So there may be some who have not experienced the salvation of the Lord. Um, that's what B-Love was talking about. He says he's never been a seminary, but God has called him to the cemetery to raise dead men up. Our job is to declare the gospel of Jesus. And through the gospel, the Holy Spirit quickens the hearts of men and women. Calls them to be alive. It says you have been uh, risen together with and the Spirit of God calls us out of darkness. When you're in darkness, you can't see. You don't know what's going on. You're living in darkness. So don't be surprised by people acting like they are. There are people in darkness. You know, things that are going on in our country now, um, with the, um, with, with in Missouri and whatnot. Don't be surprised by these things. Because they are only doing what their master is calling them to do. I mean, it's, it, we're, 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 it's not going to be justice in this world until Christ comes. Uh, and so we have peace with God. 
And one time we were enemies, but God has made us free. The truth is that at one time, we were under the wrath of God. We were under God's judgment. John chapter 3, verse 36. You can be taking notes, write that down. John chapter 3, verse 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son does not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Look, look at that sometimes. People focus on John 3, 16, but we also need to focus on John 3, 36. It says that God's wrath is on those who have not obeyed the Son of God. And we know the Son of God told us to be born again. Um, so, we, we, when we were in sin, it, uh, when we sin, it's not a small thing. I think we, we look at sin lightly, whether it's a lie, or whether it's uh, stealing a, a pencil, a pen from a work, or whether it's cheating on our um, taxes. Um, whatever the case may be, it's not a small thing. Sin, when we sin, we sin against a righteous God. God has to punish sin by the mere fact that he's righteous and holy. He is a holy God, therefore he has to deal with sin. And because of the works of Christ, because of what Jesus has done for us, his, his life, his sufferings, his death, and his resurrection, we are able to be born again or saved. Well, what does it mean to be saved? It means to be saved from something to something. We were saved from our sins, from God's judgment to his loving kindness. Um, there is no longer strife between God and us. At one time, we had beef, we had beef with God. God had, in other words, God had beef with us. At one time, there was judgment from God towards us. But the Bible says we have now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it says through Jesus Christ we have peace with God. No longer are we um, they're at odds against with God, but now we have peace with God. You know how it is. You have your parents, your brothers, your sisters, and um, something went down, whether it's at a, a holiday dinner or whatnot, and now you can't talk to your sister because she got attitude with you. You can't talk to your brother or your parents. There's beef, right? At one point, we had beef with God. God had beef with us. And now that beef has been squashed because of Jesus. Yes. Jesus, Jesus took our place Thank in order for us to have a relationship with God. Thank I think Jesus. we take our relationship with God lightly. Yeah. That We don't think of it as, wow, it's a privilege to be his son and his daughter. It's a privilege to pray. It's a privilege to come together in the name of Christ. Um, we have peace with God. God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, it says that it pleased the Lord to crush the Lord. Y'all don't believe me. Go, go to Isaiah 53. We'll come back to Romans 5. Isaiah 53. We're talking about God's unstoppable love. This is a youth revival, right? Amen. Isaiah 53. Let's go to two places. Isaiah 53, verse 4. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Notice this, that Jesus was smitten by God. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. Who was crushed? Jesus. For our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. In other words, Jesus received the punishment that cost, that would provide us with peace. In order to have peace with God, it took Jesus being crushed by God. Now let's continue. Jump down to verse 10. Yet it, is the, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he has put him to grief. So it was God's will to crush Jesus in order for us to have peace with him. Somebody had to take the punishment for our sins. Are you with me? Yeah. You're not going to sleep. Friday night. That's got paid. That's next week. That's in a couple weeks. If you get paid once a month. Oh, bless you. And it's light shining up on you. Um, peace with God. So the Lord, God the Father, crushed the Son in order for us to be received by God. So the very hand that had wrath in it is the very hands that we have, we are able to embrace, his loving hands. So God crushed Jesus in order to receive his people in love. How many of us love? His, the Bible says his, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, his only unique son, his divine son, his son that was like no one else. The, the Holy One of Israel. What does that mean? The only one who's in Israel who was holy. That's Jesus. Jesus was the only one to die to die, to die to death that was necessary for us to have peace with God the Father. See, our salvation is not, I think that we overlook our salvation. Our salvation is great. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, let us not neglect a, a great salvation. Our salvation is great because we have a great God. It speaks of the love of God. It speaks of God's wrath and his mercy coming together. Whereas God's wrath says, you deserve this. God's mercy says, I got you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Go back to Romans 5. Romans 5. It talks about, it says, through him, verse 2, through him we have also ac obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in, in hope of the glory of God. So my first point was that we have peace with God. God's unstoppable love provided peace with himself. We have peace with God. Number two, God's unstoppable love gives us the ability to stand in his grace. We can stand in his grace. I like to put it this, this way. It is, we're standing in a place called favor. We're standing in a place called favor. Everybody wants to claim the favor of God. Favor, favor, favor. Favor ain't fair, all that good stuff. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that it's because of God's unstoppable love that we are able to stand in a place called favor. We are, in the, we are in the favor of God. God has favor towards us. That's what grace means. It means undeserved or unearned favor. We cannot earn this favor. Are you with me? Um, it's because of Jesus. Grace is God's unmerited favor, undeserved favor. We are now in a place called favor because of his love. 
When I'm talking about favor, I'm not just talking about favor for our jobs, a favor for a car or for a house. Uh, I'm talking about, when, we talk, when I'm talking about having favor with God, I'm talking about God smiling on us. Where at one time there was a frown, but God has now turned that frown, grace has turned that frown and made it into a smile. So when he sees us, guess what he sees? He sees the work of Jesus. He sees the blood of Christ. Are you with me? Uh, our, obedience does, our obedience does not drive the love of God. But our love, the love of God drives our obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right. And the only reason why we love God is because he first loved us. Yes. Are you with me? You can, within yourself, you cannot love God. It takes God for you to love him. Mm -hmm. Did you hear me? It takes the Lord Jesus changing your life in order for you to love God back. It says we love him because he first loved us. Uh, we are in, the, in, the, in a place called favor. Favor with God. At one point, we were against, at odds with God. God has granted us the ability to be in this place called favor. The place called favor is a place where we are now children of God. At one point, we were enemies of God, but now we're considered children of God. 1 John chapter 3, let's go over there. 1 John chapter 3. Are you getting anything out of this this, this evening? First yeah. John chapter three, verse one through three. It says, "See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are." The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, see that word beloved? Be loved. That, you know, so it's not that God, oh, he loves me. Yes, he does. But be loved. Be, be the loved of God. We are God's children. And now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone that thus, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. All right, let's look at this. God, the Father, loves us so much that he has bestowed upon us this love, this banner of love, King James says, that we should be called children of God. Man. We are the children of This is not a small thing. This is a big thing to be called the child, child of God. Um, he has given us his spirit. Romans 8 talks about this, that um, we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It was a, it, God's people in the Old Testament, they called the Father, called God Father. So Jesus came on the scene and introduced the Father to him, to, to the world. Um, he in, introduced the fatherhood of God. He started out with Matthew 6, he says, this is the way you should pray. Our Father. Um, you who been evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more your Father so again, Jesus was introducing the fatherhood of God. So here, John says this, that God loves us so much that he calls us his children. Amen. We are a child of God. We are children of God. 
We, we have the ability to call him Father. The world calls him God, but the, but the believer calls him Father. Our Father. Come on, let's worship God for the Father of the God. Call him your Father. Father. Thank you, Father, for being our Father. Thank you for being our Father. We're standing in a place called favor, a place called grace. We are standing and we can call you Father. Thank you, Father. For you know what we have need of before we even ask. Our Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being our Father. Oh, God, you're your master. You're a friend, but you're also Father. Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Father, we love you, Father. We bless you, Father. For the Father is seeking worshipers. Oh, Father, seek no more. Seek no more. Seek no more, for you have found a few. Lord, Father, thank you for being our Father. So when you pray, address him as Father. He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Sometimes, I'm going to submit this to you. Sometimes the reason why some people's prayers don't get answered because they're not addressing God properly. Says, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask the Father, John 16, 23. So you need to call him Father because that's who he is to us. That's, that's where you get your identity. See, the crisis that we're having in our society and in our, in our, in our culture is, is a father crisis, identity crisis. It's because we're not looking to the one who gives us our identity. God the Father gives us our identity. We're named after him. Are you with me? Um, he calls us children. We have his DNA inside of us. We, we, he's given us his spirit. See, he didn't trust us with a, to an angel. He didn't trust us to some other creature. But he sent his spirit. I mean, that, you can't get closer than that. That's love. God loves us so much that he gave us his spirit. Do you understand? His spirit is at work within us, causing us to be like Jesus. Are you, are you with me? Um, Father God has given us his spirit. We believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. We believe that as Christians. Go back to Romans 5. I, I'm almost finished. Somebody's amen. <laughs> We're in a place called faith. We, we are in the place of divine favor. Favor with God. We are also adopted in this family. Yes. Colossians says we're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We're no longer children of disobedience. But now we're children of God. We are loved by God and to be in this place it's worth a lifetime of obedience. Because he loves us, because he gave, his, his, gave us his son, and now we're standing in grace, we will obey him. We will obey him. You show me a Christian who does not obey God, I show you a Christian who's not a Christian. Um, it's not that we're trying to earn anything, but because we're so grateful for his love, we'll obey him. When you get a glimpse of the love of God that is shown 
to us through Christ, you will obey. Amen. 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 Let's finish up. Romans 5, let's look at verse 4, or verse 3. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. All right, let's, let's take a look at this. My third point is rejoicing in any circumstances. So this Romans 5 talks about rejoicing in our suffering. Regardless of what you're going through right now, you're called, the Bible calls you to rejoice. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice in the, in the fact that you are his child. Rejoice in the fact that you're standing in a place called favor. Paul says that your suffering will produce endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. But we have a kind of hope that is eternal. A hope that is beyond this world. It's because God's love has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God has given us his spirit. I want you to just thank God for his spirit right now. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Ghost on his side of us. We thank you for giving us your spirit. We thank you for sealing us with your spirit, according to Ephesians 1. I think that we have forgotten about the spirit of God, that he's bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our circumstances. He, he is, he's the greater one on the inside of us. And even now, Father, I pray that your spirit will bring illumination and understanding and revelations of your word, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Um, God is after our character. He is concerned whether or not we look like Jesus. He is making us, the spirit of God is making us into the image of Christ. To grow in love is to grow in Christ-likeness. Let me say it again. To grow in love is to grow in Christ-likeness. People proud to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Okay? Well, this is what would happen. If you cry, you pray that prayer, I want to be like Jesus, God's going to put you in his first. He's going to put you under his fire. In other words, he's going to put you around people that's going to test your patience, going to test your character, uh, your, your, your self-control, your kindness. The Spirit of God is not just within you to make you jerk, make you shout, but to help you to become like Christ. Are you with me? There's nothing wrong with shouting, but don't let the shout get in the way of God making you like Christ. Um, to grow in love is to grow in Christ's likeness. More love, more opportunities to love people. Love is not, again, it's not, just, it's not a fuzzy, warm feeling you have. Love is God's grace empowering you to be like Christ. Suffering is part of God's plan. Are you with me? If you're a Christian, you will suffer. Hello? Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Um, those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're not persecuted, then maybe you're not a Christian. Suffering is part of God's plan. It, is, it brings out what we're made of. It's easy to love when everything is going well, right? Yeah. Oh, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> when there is conflict, then we don't have to deal, we don't want to deal with 
this thing called love. Remember 1 Corinthians 13? Love is kind. Yes. When is it time to be kind? When it's, when it's convenient? No. When you don't want to be kind. Love is patient. When you have been patient with your brothers and your sisters in Christ, um, let's practice love. When we grow, we don't grow because we pray. Let me say that again. You do not grow just because you pray. After you pray and commune with God, after you read his word, then you, God will provide opportunities for you to obey his word. Have you noticed all the scriptures that Jesus says, love one another? Well, what does that look like in, in, in our lives? How do we love one another? Is it just when we say, I love you with the love of the Lord? That sounds nice, but to actually live that is a different thing. That's right. You love someone when they don't treat you right. Mm -hmm. Bible says, pray for those that despitefully use you. Bless those that curse you. Okay. So when somebody curse you out, you bless them. Look for opportunities to bless them. Look for some money to give them without it coming from you. Of you letting them know it came from you. Give in secret. How do you do that? Um, we're talking about unforgiveness. How do you forgive? You know, it talks about forgiving one another. How do you forgive when, when you've never been in a place where you've been hurt? Uh, I'm telling you that in order to be like Christ, we got to practice what the scripture says. It's one thing to study, love one another. Yes, we are to love one another. Oh, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Okay, let's show this. So the next time somebody gets on your nerves, love them. Mm -hmm. What if somebody, God brings someone who doesn't smell good? Are you willing to love them? Are you willing to take them in to your house and give them a meal? Are you love, do you love a person enough to tell them, hey, you're rough state? I mean, we're talking about having true spiritual fellowship. Uh, let, let's go to the scripture. And I, I, I promise you, I'll let you out. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Talk about God's unstoppable love. We talk about God's love towards us in Christ. But let's talk about loving one another. We talk about the best gift of all is love. Uh, we can't just say these things. we got to live it. Yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, oh, the best gift of all. Love is the greatest of all. Okay, but well, how do we live this love for? How do we actually functionally live this in our life, in our home, on our jobs, in church, in our community? How do we display the love of God? Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 2. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So when did God forgive us? In Christ. He forgave us in the person and work of Christ. He says, be kind to one another. So this is, the, this is your assignment between here and tomorrow, is to be kind to everyone you come in contact with. Be kind. I'm not saying that you got to uh, not speak your mind or speak what's on your heart, but you need to be kind. You can, you can clothe your words with kindness. Are you with me? Yeah. There's a way to correct somebody and, and still be kind towards them. There was a lady in my, that I, I teach uh, adult basic education, and that was a lady, she was um, really lazy, a lazy thinker. And so I told her, I said, you know, I understand where you're coming from, 
but you are lazy in your thinking. She got offended. But I, but I said, I'm here to help you. The reason you're not getting this fast because you're not doing any work at home. Kindness is not giving somebody what they want to hear, but it's been enough, having enough love of God that you're willing to tell them the truth, but in a way that they'll receive it. Verse 5 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. How do we love one another? How do we express the love of God to one another? When, when somebody's gossiping about you, are you willing to forgive them? Call their names out. I forgive so-and-so. And go up to them and say, I heard you talk about me, but I want to let you know I love you and pray for you. How do you confront? If we're going to have genuine Christian love, real love, then we're going to be willing to deal with one another. Authentic relationships. Most relationships, let me say this, most relationships are surface. Everything is good? Oh, we good. We best of friends. But when you start dealing with one another, because we are sinners by nature and we sin, then therefore there's going to be some kind of conflict. Are you with me? Yes. There's going to be some kind of mess going on. Yes. Marriage is a bunch of two sinners getting together, talking about Christian marriage, two sinners getting together and le learning to forgive one another. Mm -hmm. If you only love your spouse when they do what you want them to do, then that you're not really, you don't have real Christian love. You have Pharisee love. You know, I love you because you do what I like you to do. But love is sacrificial. That's I'm going right. to love you. I'm going to pray for you even when it hurts me. That's right. I'm going to lay, Jesus, uh, the Gospel of John, 1 John says this, if Christ laid his life down for us, we should lay our lives, lives down for one another. When was the last time you laid your life down for your brother and your sister in Christ? Are you with me? When was the last time, and yes, you should give your tithes, your offering, in the house of God, because that's what God uses to, to meet the needs of the church. But you also look for opportunities to bless your brothers and your sisters. You're so spiritual, be spiritual enough to hear from God and recognize the needs of your brothers and your sisters and say, you know what, I'm going to give you a Pentecostal handshake. Everybody know what a Pentecostal handshake is, right? When somebody hit some money in your hand, and you shake it. You shake their hand, and you're like, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you, look for ways to bless your brothers and your sisters. Jesus said it like this. The world would know that you are my disciples for your love one towards another. So if we're not loving one another, then the world is not going to see Christ. The world is not going to see that we're disciples. I challenge you tonight, don't just be a Christian in name only, but be a Christian through your actions. Love with your words and with your deeds. Look for opportunities to bless. The Bible says in Galatians, let's go over there. Is this all right? Yes. What would you say? What would I do if you said no? Keep preaching. <laughs> um, Galatians chapter, Galatians, let me find it. This is, this is not in my notes. Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter 3, I think. <coughs> okay, I'm sorry. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 
10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are, who are of the household of faith. If anybody we should do good to, it's those who are in Christ. You see that scripture? When the last time you did good for somebody else? When the last time you prayed for somebody else? When the last time you cried out for God, to God, what can I do? Make, see, some of us are so busy, busy praying for the miracle when God wants to make you the miracle to somebody else. We're praying for our answer to our prayers. We, we're trusting and waiting for the answer to be for our answer from God, let us be the answer to somebody else's prayers. The Bible says it's good, it's, you're more blessed when you give. So just imagine a church that is forgiving one another, loving one another, praying for one another, um, carrying each other's burdens. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. For being willing to walk with somebody, yeah, they got a problem, but we're willing to pick up the slack and, and help them. Willing to confront one another, speaking the truth in love, when the last time somebody called you on a carpet? Who has the passwords to your Facebook, your Twitter account, your Instagram, your cell phone? Who are you accountable to? We're talking about loving one another. You can't say, I, I love God, and, and you have a problem. Christianity is not private. It's yes. personal. It's, it's you, you, your life does not belong to yourself. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, and his people. We talk about the love of God. We will. The Bible says, "Love covers a multitude of sins." So when you know a brother or sister is in sin, he says, "You know, I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to confront them. I'm going to tell them they're wrong." Be love said it in one of his songs. He says, "If you knew your brother was about to jump off the cliff, what would you do?" Well, if you know a brother or sister that is in sin, say, "Listen, you know, living with that person is not right. If you keep doing it, you're going to hell." Oh, you're judging me. That's right. That's right. I am. I'm calling God's judgment on you. And I'm saying to you that if you keep doing that, you're going to die and go to hell. You know fornication is wrong. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, love is not like, oh, let's not say anything. You know, yeah. I know they're gay, but we're not going to say anything. Listen, keep doing it. You're wrong. You're going to die and go to hell. What do you mean? You're judging me. Yes. Yes. I, 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 I love you enough. See, we, we, we put up a front in front of people, an image, and we work to keep that image in front of that person. We work, we, we work to keep that. Sometimes people don't say things because they don't want the image they have built up over years to be destroyed. You know how you have, you, you think, you, sometimes we think of other people, okay, in other words, we think of ourselves more. So, so instead of confronting somebody and loving somebody enough to tell them the truth, we're willing to be silent on the, on the situation so that that image that we build up in that person's mind will not be touched. Are you willing to be hated by your brother and your sister in Christ, not hated, but not liked by telling them the truth? Are, are y'all following me? That you say, I'm going to speak the truth in love but I'm going to tell you the truth when it needs to be told. I'm not going to hold back on you because you don't like it. And I think that we don't have real, authentic Christian relationships. We have surface. How you doing? How's life? How's the kids? What about how you doing with God? Have you been praying? How you living? 
Are y'all with me? I'm talking about living this thing out. We're talking about love, God's unstoppable love. Let us grow in this area. Be willing to tell somebody they're wrong. And at the same time, pray with them. Don't just say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're going to hell. No, okay, let's, let, let me spend some time with you to show you from scriptures how to get things right. Confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you, to walk with a person. Amen. Amen. My last point is this, Christ is our substitution. The Bible says, verses 6 through 11, it says, when, 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 when we were weak and at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice that it was for the ungodly that Christ died. He did not die for the godly. He did not come for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. Never look down at the ungodly and, or have arrogance. I'm talking about real love. Once you have a real love, once you have real love, nothing else compares to it. I'm talking about a real love, a real man loving you. Christ died for us when we were enemies of God, and God shows us his love in Christ Jesus. God's unstoppable love is revealed in Christ. Sometimes people are looking for love. This is what they're looking for love. They're looking for a feeling. Oh, God, I just want to feel your presence. Oh, God, I want to feel your love, your loving arms around me. I love the song, Wrap Me Around Your Arms. But let, let's be real. That's, that's not the way God has showed us his love. He showed us his love in Christ. So when Christ was on the cross, he was wrapping his love, his arms around us. Are you with me? Yeah. I think sometimes we reduce the love of God to human love. Yeah. And sometimes, we, if you notice, the scripture really doesn't use the word relationship. Because everybody has a relationship with God. Save and unsaved. Judge. <laughs> the one who's going to be judged. Um, but he, the, word, the word fellowship is used throughout the scriptures. Let us begin to see God's love for us in the person and work of Christ. Let us not look for a physical touch. Oh, God, just touch me, touch me, touch me. He's already touched you in Christ. That's right. He's already reached out to you in Christ. He's already called your name in Christ. Are you with me? Look to Christ. When you're down and out lonely, look to Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. Look at the cross. When the enemy comes in like a storm, remember what Jesus has done for you. So let me stand. Lift up your hands. I want you to communicate with your father. Take a few moments. You recognize his love for you in Christ. So just take a few moments and, and, and talk to your father. There's any unforgiveness, forgive. Forgive. Call that person's name out. And if the person is here, I want to I want you to take another step forward, take another step of faith and go towards them and ask them to forgive you. And I'll tell them that you forgive them. No reason. I'm talking about real, authentic Christian fellowship.
beyond just I love you and I'm a Christian, you're, but actually having authentic fellowship. If you're here tonight and you say, I, 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 I'm just not sure if God loves me, I want you to, to say, God, open my eyes. Let me see what you have done for me in Christ. God, I'm not looking for a feeling. I'm looking for an understanding of the gospel. I'm looking for to understand how you love me in, in the Lord Jesus. Receive his love now. Receive the love of God. If you're not born again, you're not saved, you are in, or, or if you're in a backslidden condition, receive the love of God. To say, God, I, I, I believe you. I call upon you. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is more than a prayer. It's, it's a heart change by the grace of God. It's surgery. God's grace is working in you. I challenge everyone here to look beyond the surface and receive the love of God. Say, Lord, I receive your love. Lord, I receive your love in Christ. Lord, I, I, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I stand, in, I stand by grace. I stand in grace. Lord, I thank you for saving me, changing me. I confess my sins. I have offended you. Forgive me, Lord. And Lord, I receive your love, your forgiveness in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I forgive everyone. I do not hold unforgiveness in my heart. I receive the power to forgive in Jesus' name. Now praise the Lord. Hallelujah.